Bloom Squad. Just wanted to pop in here and give a little pre-episode note slash acknowledgement. Um, the person that we interviewed for this episode was across the country from us, so we did her interview remotely over a call, which is wonderful and we love technology for that, but it can also result in some wonky audio moments. So while the audio for this episode isn't great, the content definitely is. So just do your best to kind of overlook the little wonky bits of technology glitching and get into the interview and the content itself. We love you and thanks for hanging with us. Hi, Bloom Squad. Hi, pals. Happy April. Happy New Moon. Happy Aries season. April Fools. Yeah. Take the fool's leap. Ugh. That's the vibe. Spring hath sprung here in Vancouver, and it feels yeah. so good. March and April are arguably my favorite time to be outside in this city because mm-hmm. coming from like winter climates, it's so nice to be in March and have daffodils all around you and things blooming and yeah. cherry blossoms emerging. Everything's it's nice. It brings a sense of hope, even though it's been raining for years. Yeah, even though it's gloomy as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just gonna get into it. We have a really juicy episode, or <laughs> interview for you guys today, that we are psyched about. Yeah, yeah. and honestly, our updates aren't much this month because we've still just been working yeah (laughs) kind of just grinding but you know we have seasons of grinding and seasons of not grinding and and we're both like building I feel like we're both really like building towards something right now which Mm -hmm. is cool and beautiful Mm -hmm. but like in the process of building things it feels like you're just kind of like head to the ground kind of like doing the thing so head down yeah working hard a little like boring maybe but that's okay yeah it's good to be bored yeah totally it's kind of funny actually now because you were working nights for so long and now you're working days and I'm working nights so mm-hmm. that's a little switch swap we've done we'll switch swap we'll switch swap <laughs> um yeah so we're just gonna get into it today I think we're yeah. we're not too exciting for you right now so <laughs> here is someone that's very exciting yeah. and we're so excited to introduce her to you Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Full Bloom Podcast. Where we talk about whatever the fuck we want. And and you're you're invited. invited. (laughs) Hi, Dallas. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> We're so excited to have you here with us in our Bloom space. <laughs> no, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. We're gonna let Dallas give herself a bit of an introduction in a minute. Um, anything that we can say about her, she can say better. But to start, we'll do our little cycle check-in. So, mm-hmm. Emma, do you want to talk about where you're at? Sure. I am on day 13. So, that I'm learning is more so my inner spring. I'm learning more and more about when I actually ovulate. And it's not around day 14 for me. It's actually closer to, like, day 25 or something. Like, it's, like, weirdly late. Um, yeah, so my inner spring lasts a lot longer than I thought. That makes sense for you. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. so too. Um, yeah, and really feeling that inner spring energy, like it feels like it, it makes sense for me and seeing the cherry blossoms blooming in Vancouver is so special and Dallas, I know you're in Toronto, so it's like, 
a different vibe there but maybe there's some spring action happening <laughs> here it's very spring it's wet but there's blossoms and it's it's really nice oh i miss vancouver spring i lived in vancouver for about seven years and that was like so so lovely the cherry blossoms are just you can't get enough of um i'm just outside of london area and i'm so blessed we have a beautiful property with a river in the back and a forest so from my home office i'm like looking at wild turkeys and like the robins coming back and muskrat swimming it's just it's a little piece of paradise here so sounds like a painting <laughs> yeah wow that's amazing love that for you <laughs> beautiful what about you taylor I'm on day 21. So for me, that does mean my inner fall. I ovulate around day like 13, 14, quite early, actually. Mm -hmm. And my inner fall is a bit longer. Um, so yeah, inner fall. I've been just kind of feeling the exhaustion in my body, working nights, um, trying to like level out my sleep schedule and nourish myself, but definitely feeling a little bit slower, a little bit heavier today. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm talking slow, I'm moving slow. I'm literally like <laughs> looking around the room slowly. Like, <laughs> I sent my mom a like tired cat gif this morning and she was like, why are you such a cat person now? <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, that's the vibe for me. Yeah. And yeah, my body temperature is really high today. I've been like sweating all day. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the vibe. Yeah. Body is so beautiful. What yeah, about you, Adele? I am on day nine of my cycle. So in the, I believe still kicking it in the follicular phase. Um, I also ovulate around like day 13, 14 kind of thing. Um, so this week has been, you know, lots of cardio for me, energizing the planning time. Um, so yeah, excited that I got to align this conversation, um, in this similar timing. I think it all yeah it comes together quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you tend to look at your calendar that way? I know Emma and I try to like plan our month kind of around when we know we'll have more energy based in our cycle. Is that something that you practice? Um, it's certainly something that I'm trying to be more cognizant of. Um, I think, you know, ideally, yes, but I think it just makes me more heightened. Like if I'm, you know, on my period or something and I'm like doing a presentation, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know it's not the best time, but you know, um, I'm at the stage right now within the company and within my career where, um, you know, I want to be taking advantage of the opportunities as they come. So if I do have the flexibility to schedule things at the ideal time within my phase, then for sure, 100%, I make that happen. Um, I've really dedicated my workouts cyclically. Mm, yeah, I was just going to bring up how you had mentioned cardio. Yeah, that's been huge that. for me. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I love doing that and it's now just like a part of my habit and now trying to bring in like the nutrition piece of it. So mm. within each phase of your cycle, um, your body craves and needs different things to support its like optimal functioning. And um, <laughs> I used to be quite good with this, but I'm currently residing with my parents right now. And like shamelessly, they uh, buy the groceries. So I'm oh, trying, hell to, yeah. trying to be mindful of like when and what I ask for because I'm not paying for it. So <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, my menu, my menu is um, yeah, set out in advance. So trying, trying my best, but no, it's been quite a wonderful learning journey. Um, and something that I've seen like 
drastic improvements just on my day to day with energy levels, how I'm feeling, mood. Um, and then it just gives me more of an awareness of when I am feeling kind of in a slump. It's like, okay, you know, that's okay. This is okay. This is the time that we're in. And let's just like be kind to ourselves, you know, move it forward, take it as it come. And like tomorrow will be better. Yeah. Yeah. I um I've more and more started dedicating my workout routine as well to my cycle. Mm -hmm. Recognizing like when I used to try to go on like a six K run right before I bled, I felt like shit. And I was like, oh, weird like I remember this one specifically I went for a run like right before my bleed and I ended up getting really bad cramps and it was just like not a good time and I came back and I was just like okay I don't know why I tried to do that I'm just gonna be more mindful and I remember that being that like pivotal moment for me like I need to lean into what my body needs right now instead of trying to fight against it and it makes such a difference like your workout routine and your physical activity the way that you show up changes when you start aligning it that way. It's really beautiful. Totally, for sure. Um, this is just something that I'm super passionate about. So I'm sorry, I'm like, you know, probably taking up too much time on this particular topic than no, usual. Not at all. Do either of you use any like tools or resources or how are you navigating um, living cyclically? Mm, I'm big on the app. I use the Flow app. Nice. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of helps me. Like I love have I love when I like have a new symptom and I'm like can't wait to put it in the app. <laughs> or, like, if I have like you know if my partner and I have like unprotected sex, I'll be like put it in the app. So like in case I get pregnant, I know like when it happened. <laughs> oh, that's so great. But, yeah, yeah. I I don't really use any apps or anything I kind of um keep track in a journal but mostly I've just really enjoyed exploring how to know based on body literacy like to be able to recognize the indications and the physical signs as well as the emotional and mental signs from my body which phase I'm in at what time um that's been like a really interesting and introspective practice for me but yeah, I'm not really an app queen as much. What about you? Um, I first kind of took a peek into this world, actually through a podcast um, with Alyssa Viti. And then I read her book called In the Flow. And that's kind of like my go-to resource. And she has a chapter on, you know, exercise and body movement for the phases of your cycle and then nutrition. Um, there's another one on like work and then relationship stuff. Um, and so that's kind of like my, my Bible, if you will, <laughs> um, for this kind of thing. Um, and I haven't actually used the app, but I do use natural cycles and that kind of like helps me understand where I'm at. Um, and then I go from there and it is about that feeling thing. Like sometimes I might randomly have a burst of energy, like, you know, towards the end of my period. And I just like, I, I lean into that, as you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about um, the apps too, is that, you know, an algorithm cannot actually tell you really what's going on with your body. Like it can give you suggestions and kind of like, a general understanding but um yeah like for for the flow app it says automatically it assumes that you ovulate on day 14 and mm. then it wasn't until I like went in and, and changed that and inputted like based on just like writing in a symptom like no I ovulate later then it sort of adjusts but you have to also have that layer of body literacy and mm -hmm. being able to actually check in and feel what's physically going on like you have to kind of have both tools right yeah. do you want to tell people how did you start um to realize that you ovulated later yeah um it was my cervical mucus I just like mm. had I noticed I had the egg white mucus um on like day closer to like day 20 or something it was like way later but I haven't I've, I've been wanting to track my temperature 
or potentially try and feel like this position of my cervix that feels a little more like I, I want to go there but I haven't like made the journey up to like getting to know my cervix physically <laughs> yet yeah. mm-hmm. um but like mad respect for people who do that taking your temperature just feels like it would become habitual but doing it every morning feels like just I'm not there yet either but just yeah my mm-hmm. mucus I was like okay egg white consistently slippery that's population in my mind yeah so, yeah yeah um the uh, full temperature thing, it's like a hit and miss for me. <laughs> always learning, always trying it here. Some months are better than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is that what you do? Yeah, right now that is um, what I'm on. So I take my basal body temperature every day um, as well as use ovulation at home test strips. And that really helps like pinpoint when um and then tracking of course other symptoms um i haven't actually gotten into neither the you know cervix position and just like learning more about the cervical mucus as well so now that we've had quite a chat do you want to introduce yourself (laughs) 17 minutes in yeah everybody's like who the heck is this woman (laughs) yeah so give us all or as much of who you are, what you do, what your story is, as you'd like. The floor is yours. Of course. Um, so my name is Dallas, and I am the founder and CEO of Rhea Health. Rhea is a digital platform for personalized reproductive health counseling, and we're currently focused on birth control. So helping people with ovaries navigate the world of contraceptives, everything from matching them to the right birth control option, helping them track and monitor any symptoms they might experience, and really them with personalized tools and information so that they can feel confident and comfortable leading their journey through reproductive health. Um, this all stemmed from my own experience with birth control and not being able to find an option that I liked, that I felt comfortable using, that felt compatible with my body, trying every birth control option under the sun, really, and experiencing negative changes that I just did not understand and was not comfortable with. Um, One method in particular, my body just reacted so adversely to it that I was admitted to the hospital And that was the last straw for me. I'm like, this is insane. It should not be this difficult to find a birth control option that I like, that works with my body. And so I ended up taking matters into my own hands and did a whole bunch of research trying to understand the female body and birth control. And through that process, I ended up finding an option that I thought could work well. I went to my doctor. I asked for it. He prescribed it. And that was one of the best birth control options that I've ever used. That experience in itself was just like so beyond empowering to me that like I could really, you know, learn about my body to the extent of making a health choice that I was confident in. I needed to share that with my friends and family because at the same time, like me going through this process and feeling all these side effects, like, of course, I'm asking my friends like, oh, what are you on? What do you want? that then opens up like a whole can of worms of sharing experiences with birth control and with reproductive health. And, you know, I think that's helpful. Um, Storytelling can be therapeutic and healing in a lot of ways. I think um, we do need to be cognizant of people projecting negative experiences onto others and that then, you know, in putting up barriers for them to, try different options because you know what works for me probably won't work for you Taylor or Emma so it's like you know we have to take that into consideration when making these choices and really look internally have conversations with ourselves with our medical professionals use tools that can help support us through this process and take that individualistic approach So fast forward, (laughs) I ended up taking what I did for myself 
and I worked with a team of medical professionals and developers. So we worked with naturopaths, OBGYNs, family doctors, some of which are still on our team today, which I'm so, so grateful for them to automate the process and really create the methodology behind our science-based and individualistic approach that we take at Rhea throughout the contraceptive counseling journey. Wow. Yeah, I'm just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it really just makes me think, um, you know, you were literally like, what is that like a Gandhi quote? Like, be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah. So you were literally like, fuck this. I'm taking this into my own hands. And like, that's body sovereignty and just being like, I, you know, need to really make a path, make my own path through this and then helping so many people in the process. Yeah. Well, the issue was that there's so many things throughout my journey that I was like, you know, what the fuck? Like, this is insane. Why is nobody giving me the answers that I need? How do I not know which questions to ask? Um, all of these symptoms and side effects, I, one, was not told that is a possibility. Of course, they give you the pamphlet, but like the thing's a blanket. Yes. <laughs> it's a blanket. <laughs> TikToks, but um you know, going through that process of then like, okay, I did have a negative side effect or I'm experiencing something that I'm not comfortable with as a result of trying a new option. Like, where do I then turn? If I want to make a doctor's appointment, that's then like several weeks out. I could, of course, go to a walk-in, but then I'm chatting to somebody who I don't really have a relationship with. I don't know what their practice is or what their, you know, background or beliefs are. And, you know, trying to navigate your information online is quite overwhelming especially for somebody just starting out on their birth control journey we aren't taught these things in school so jumping into this you know you're trying to be proactive about your health and your well-being and your future and when we're met with you know dismissal or invalidation or just things you know thrown at us um it's so hard to then feel empowered in that. Yep, the healthcare system loves to gaslight us. Hey, Bloom Squad. We wanna let you in on an exciting Canadian woman-run fertility brand we've come across recently. Ovary. So Ovary sells pregnancy tests, ovulation tests, and male fertility tests in a super stripped down, low cost, accessible style. Straight up, pregnancy tests are ridiculous. They're way overpriced, super wasteful, and unnecessarily enormous, creating limited access and keeping us guessing about what's going on in our bodies and our partner's bodies. Ovaries tests keep it super simple. They use 90% less plastic and you can get 18 tests for $39, which is over a year's supply and you order them online. Basically, they've completely streamlined the process. They've cut the stress, the chunkiness and the cost in half. And we really think their simplicity is refreshing. So check them out on myovary.ca, M-Y-O-V-R-Y.ca. We're really loving these products, and if you use our discount code FULLBLOOMPOD, one word, you'll receive 10% off your first order. Body literacy should be accessible, sustainable, and stress-free, so gift this to yourself with Ovary. It's just making me think of, um, I work in like social work and a lot of folks when there's a medical emergency or they require care, they often refuse going to the hospital. And mm. most of the time, the reasoning for that is because in the healthcare system, like you were talking about, the options are so limited. If you don't have the time to wait, you get passed from person to person to person. You have to explain your story, your symptoms, your experience over and over and over and over. And over. 
Mm-hmm. to all these different people that know nothing about you and then each different time you share your story there's usually a different opinion or outcome or bias that you're presented with and it just makes you feel small over and over and over again it can re-traumatize it can re-trigger all these things so yeah your um your platform trial and error not being the only option and kind of having that be kind of the mission statement what does that look like in the way that you provide your services if you want to take that trial and error out for people for sure i think you know society and just the traditional process of finding birth control and contraceptive counseling you know, going into it, you've heard so many stories that when you go and try a birth control, you're like, okay, you know, I have to try at least four different options. You know, it's normal for me to have these side effects. And like, yes, side effects are common, but I think what's left out of the puzzle is celebrating the fact that our bodies are complex and that we're all coming from different situations different lifestyles. We each have different preferences. And those are the things that we really need to pay attention to at the forefront in order to find an option that is the most compatible with ourselves and our bodies. Unfortunately, you know, doctors are really busy people and they have to know a lot about a lot and they may only have 10 or 15 minutes, which is really just not enough time to dive deep into all of those things that I was just explaining and more. Um, so what ends up happening is they generally prescribe, you know, what they're most familiar with or what they have free samples of. And it's not always what's best for that particular person. Of course, mind you, there are like designated sexual health clinics that will take the time. They'll spend 30 minutes plus with one person to go through all of the options available, you know, potential side effects, how do they work, that kind kind of thing. Unfortunately, those services are not equally accessible to everyone. Mm. And so with telehealth, that does increase accessibility for um, doctor consultations because you can chat to a doctor virtually and that's helpful, but it doesn't, you know, break down these barriers of, okay, we can't do a virtual IUD insertion, for instance. So there are still some things that need to be tackled in that front. So with Rhea, what we're really trying to prioritize is that individualistic approach and really enabling our members in this process so that they can feel confident in their options and in their choice. When a user interacts with us, um, we take them through a questionnaire. And this basically gives our system comprehensive understanding of things like their medical history and their hormonal profile, past experience with birth control preferences, all that good stuff that paints a really good picture of their, um, you know, their individualism and their beautiful complexities. And our system then takes that to and uses it to match them to birth control options that could work really well. And it explains why. So what in their profile led our system to suggest those options? How do those options work? What should they be prepared for, et cetera? We then help them um, access options in the sense that we point them in the right direction of places in their area or how they can facilitate a conversation with a medical professional um, in a focused way. Oftentimes, we, a big part of the problem is we go into these uh, visits with our doctor and it can be intimidating. <laughs> like, yeah. not sure how to be your own health advocate. Um, you know, those, again, those things, we're not taught them in school or Oftentimes, unfortunately, we're not even taught them in our home lives. So um, that's something that we do have to learn. And that can be hard. It's a process. Like I'm still learning to this day. And so we give our members tips and tricks on how to facilitate those conversations so that they're getting the answers that they need. Unfortunately, right now, just given our stage as an early stage startup, um, we're unable to fill those prescriptions or have doctor consultations, but we do want to be there continuing to hold our members' hands throughout this process. We then have a tracking system. 
So this helps individuals set boundaries when it comes to their birth control. What I mean by this is really asking your questions beforehand and seeing, okay, you know, how are my relationships, sexual and non-sexual? How do I feel within my libido and my sex life? How's my skin? What's my weight? All of these things that create a marker. And then asking yourself, if I'm trying this new option, I understand that there's an adjustment period. I understand that, you know, some changes may happen in my body. And this is for hormonal and non-hormonal birth control. But then really outlining, okay, what am I willing to tolerate? At what severity am I willing to tolerate these changes? And for how long? You know, some symptoms may subside after a few weeks or so, but maybe it's just like so insane <laughs> that, you know, you don't want to even go there. Um, so our system then helps people monitor any changes that they're, they may go through when trying a new birth control option and having these designated check-ins and follow-up support um, through our platform and also one-on-one -on -one with our members and somebody on our team to really assess, you know, how are they doing? Do you like this birth control? If yes, amazing. If not, okay, let's have a conversation about it. Or maybe they just don't know yet and they still want that continued support. And that's okay. That's great. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what we've been finding is when we have these conversations and these processes in place that really put the member at the forefront and at the center of this decision-making process, that trial and error is like monumentally <laughs> decreased. Um, right. are finding options that they like faster. They are continuing to use them properly and for a long period of time. And again, our system covers things hormonal and non-hormonal. I think, you know, hormonal birth control gets such a bad rap these days, and maybe that's another conversation. But yeah. um, I think that there's truth to be said that you do experience changes when you use both types of birth control options. So we really want to inform the individual throughout this process and support them on their reproductive health journey. Mm, yeah, I love what you just mentioned about certain types of birth control getting bad reps. And mm -hmm. I feel like on the other side of this, there is within the birth control world, sometimes there's this weird stigma about like which type you use and like yeah. types being better than the other or like more, I don't know, like I hate this word, but like woke or like advanced <laughs> or whatever for different reasons and it's nice to be reminded that there's no right route it just has to do with your body yeah. I also really love what you said about celebrating your body's uniqueness it kind of was like in my head I was like oh I like that because it's like celebrating the side effects as your body's ability to communicate with you oh it's yes like your ability to feel <laughs> your body's ability to let you know what's going on is part of the magic of our human bodies. Mm -hmm. If we were numb, that would be lame. <laughs> um, I'll share a little bit more just to reiterate this. So I tried the IUD, a hormonal IUD. Um, and this was like, throughout my initial trial and error process, going through all these different birth control options. And like, I was at my wits end with, you know, condoms and fertility awareness method. I had tried it before and it failed for me miserably. Um, and, you know, all these different pills, I hated like switching. And so I was asking my friends, I'm like, what are you all taking? And many of them were using the hormonal IUD and they loved it. And I'm like, that sounds fantastic. You know, I have to get my hands on it. So I set my appointment, got the IUD inserted, and almost immediately my body was just like, no, what are you doing? This is not it. This is not the one for us. And was telling me that through all of these different side effects that we were experiencing. And, you know, I wanted it to work so badly <laughs> that I was just like, it's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And it trucked along um, and, you know, ended up developing ovarian cysts, 
Um, I experienced chronic UTIs. I actually had a special agreement with my university professors and my doctors to excuse me from class because sometimes the cramping and the pain was just so unbearable that I couldn't get out of bed and attend school. Um, I was bleeding constantly. And this was over the course of about five and a half months. And, you know, my doctors, they're like, no, that has nothing to do with your IUD. And I'm like, well, it seemed to take place right after I got it. Um, Again, being dismissed by healthcare professionals. And I think, I know it'll get back to the point of my story, but I think um, why that was happening a lot of time was because we just lack so much information and research within women's health. So from a liability standpoint, like doctors can't validate us because they don't have the science to do so. So it's not to say that your experience isn't valid. Um, We just need more research, more information. And unfortunately, you know, women's health has just been pushed to the side and we haven't spent enough time and enough money on 50% of the population and their well-being. (laughs) You know, physicians were telling me, you know, it it doesn't have anything to do with your IUD, Your, your body is still adjusting, and up until I then had to go to the hospital because of one of my cysts on my ovaries, I was just ignoring my body screaming at me saying that this isn't right for us. And so at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I felt bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't listening to you. And that really like spurred me going forward and drawing boundaries when it came to my birth control. Is that how the My Body, My Boundaries campaign kind of came into Ooh, play yeah. with Rhea? Speak on that. <laughs> yeah, that is a large part of it for sure. And, you know, the more that I get into this space, um, part of our, yes, so part of our feature within Rhea is your birth control boundaries. And as I explained, our process, um, that's a huge point within our tracking system and helping people navigate their contraceptive journey. Um, and so part of the, you know, naming thing, of course, there's like the fun alliteration there, but um, that definitely played a big role in this campaign that we have going on, um, as well as bringing to the forefront conversations within women's health and reproductive health Um, more specifically around birth control, conversations that really aren't happening and and aren't taking place. So this is, you know, birth control within the queer and trans community, birth control within chronic illness, indigenous communities, um, sexual assault and violence survivors, all of these conversations that, you know, haven't had a space, um, but have such real and intimate and experiences that people are living it's their reality and we need to you know support them throughout that and meet them where they're at and help them along and their boundaries when it comes to birth it's totally different than mine or yours and again that's okay that's important and we need to create that space to celebrate that mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, it's not just like an accepted reality that you should be suffering. Like not only mm-hmm. do you, not only yeah. do you deserve to survive, you deserve to thrive, right? Like this totally. this mm-hmm. idea that we keep coming back to where we're told over and over and over again by the healthcare system that like oh, that's just what being in a body with ovaries is that's just what it is it's just suffering it's just pain beauty is pain like Mm. your period's gonna be painful and it's gonna suck and your life's gonna suck because of it and all these things that's what we've been told for as young Mm. as I mean personally for as long as I can remember that's just what I've been told especially by male healthcare professionals just being like yep that's your period that you know that's that's (laughs) It's just like, no, like we're not, we're not meant to suffer. Well, for sure. And that's why all of these 
have so many endometrial conditions like PCOS and endometriosis, I think it's like an average of 10 years before somebody gets a proper diagnosis because yeah. it's just passed off as a painful period or a woman over exaggerating. And yet our bodies like are screaming for help, you know, and we're just being kind of pushed aside. Um, I actually just recorded a panel earlier today and we'll be launching the um, conversation on March 30th. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, this conversation came up when it's about, you know, these chronic illnesses or these conditions where women are, as you said earlier, gaslighted in their experience. Um, and it's just, you know, I think there's a lot to it and there's so many reasons why I call it, you know, misogyny, lack of information, whatever it might be. But I think the more we have conversations like these, um, the closer we are to improving those situations and getting the access and the services and the care that we so deserve. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said earlier about storytelling too and how powerful that is. It's such a alternative just an alternative way of connecting and, and like the share your birth control story on your website people can just you know if people have experienced gaslighting that's such a vital way to feel seen in your experience when you come across mm -hmm. someone where you're like oh me too you know it's literally like the me too movement yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, <laughs> it's yeah um you know i literally just had a conversation with a friend yesterday who um is like weighing their options about birth control and they've been hesitant to go on the pill because they feel like they will be judged for going on hormonal hormonal birth control they feel some shame um mm. around being like oh like i should try and do it the natural way like i i should try and figure it out but they're struggling mm. and mm -hmm. it just broke my heart to hear that that is an, 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 an attitude that a lot of people experience as well being like they're shamed off of horm hormonal birth control even if it's really gonna work for them or like has been working well for them and I, I'm glad that you guys are shedding light on that and that you know like IUDs aren't aren't all that bad like it's just each to their own and if you have a really good experience without it or if you have a really good experience with it all of those stories are just as valid and need to be shared right we have medical health care for a reason it's it's valuable oh i'm smiling so big over here yes <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much for sharing light on that because it is a conversation and a narrative that we're finding here at right to change um Oftentimes in this space, and I see this and hear this reflected throughout femtech and from other femtech founders and people who work in the space, we often have to be in the role of the educator um, because we've been, we haven't had this information or we haven't been taught these things. These conversations haven't been as widely accepted before. So trying to really communities as a whole on not only what we're doing, but on the problem that they're experiencing that they've just been told is normal is fine. You know, actually telling them, no, you don't have to live that way. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> there is better options. We just have to, you know, work together. We are here to support um, and let's create that change together. Can you just for our listeners who maybe have never heard the term, could you just expand on the concept of femtech? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, I guess this is kind of a, uh, you know, it's a new industry, if you will, a new space. Um, the term femtech was actually coined by Edith Tin. Um, she's the founder of Clue. And it basically encompasses technology, solutions, and innovations that go to support and improve um, women's well-being, women's health, um, and really areas within health and technology and just well-being and wellness that disproportionately affect women and people with ovaries. 
Mm. I love that term. Yeah. Being a woman identifying human in the healthcare system, I wonder what your experience has been maybe in the initial space of developing Raya, or maybe you're still experiencing it. What is it like coming up against the healthcare system and using your voice, of course, uh, like male dominated space? Um, traditionally, these voices haven't been heard. So what was your experience like with that? <laughs> the tech industry too, right? Yeah. It's like healthcare and tech, they're both so heavily male dominated. And you're bridging both with a very like, Fem-centered lens, femtech, so, femtech, like <laughs> sounds challenging. Um, honestly, I think this is something that I'm am still navigating, and we're still navigating at Raya, and something we're always, you know, learning um, and learning about. So I can only really speak to. I wouldn't say that I like am a master at it, or you know, <laughs> know all it is about you know, breaking down these barriers, but it is, you know, something that I feel and is a reality. Um, just as you say, like, I, I do not have a medical background. Um, I do not have a tech background. So coming at this from like a patient, being a patient really, and trying to, you know, revolutionize or um, democratize this system has been, a huge challenge, one of like the most difficult things that I've done. And I think it is about trying to earn my place in those communities and in those spaces. Um, especially when first starting out, like I had this crazy idea and I'm trying to chat to um, medical professionals and, you know, experts and get their insight. And it was really difficult to find people that would one, listen and hear me out. I think because I didn't have an MD next to my name or, yeah. you know, I, didn't, I wasn't in the healthcare system. And um, I spent a lot of time up front trying to find people who got it and who understood it. I think very quickly I learned who to <laughs> talk to and who to spend my time on because, you know, I would, of course, for market research, we continue to um, chat to a whole wide range of people and folks. But um, at the beginning, when trying to get people in my corner and on my side, who really understood the problem was not going for, you know, my own personal family doctor, who's like an older white gentleman, but having conversations with female doctors, young female doctor, doctors, more specifically, who are maybe even going through this themselves or who have experience, who see it on a day-to-day, -day, and who understand it, who get it. Um, and that was really validating. Finding those people um, did take a while, uh, but getting people in my corner who, you know, understood and believed in what we were doing um, was monumental. <laughs> it was, one, validating, but then also helps the business hugely. And the same thing in the tech side. Um, I really placed a high priority on founding myself and the company with the support and resources that made sense for us. So going through various accelerator programs, ones that were for female founders only, um, ones that were for like first time found tech founders, things like this that really, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. And I really tried to do that um, in asking many, many questions and going through this process. But I think I'm still trying to like navigate that world. <laughs> Luckily, now I have people on the team where I can be like, I don't know, but this guy does. Or <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest and true in like my scope, I think goes a long way as well within this space. And people respect that. But um, having somebody who you can turn to and ask questions and people who believe in what you're doing certainly helps. I'm not even sure if I answered your question directly, no, but that's yeah, my experience getting into this. I think you're touching on the idea of knowing your limits being uh, an ultimate strength, right? Like, like you were saying, once you started to reach out and connect with people, there's usually like an army of folks that are 
experiencing the same things or wanting to share the same things and to create a collaborative system like you have with Freya is to uplift voices and experiences and skills that you might not yourself have, but you know, or can recognize, or maybe didn't even think about how they could influence the services and resources that you provide. And so the um, experience of being the patient turning into the caregiver is just interesting when you think of the concept of compassionate care who can who can give better care than someone who's seen the holes in care yeah it's like grassroots really starting at the bottom and knowing that you can't do it alone you've got to have resources and folks i don't know did you find that once you started to reach out maybe it was like a little lonely at first and then you were people were like whoa i'm so down to join you on this journey Yeah, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, like it certainly does take a village. Um, But, you know, speaking to that compassionate care, I think that has been something going through raising investment and talking to stakeholders and future investors. A big thing that these people want to know is like, why you? Why this team? How are you going to succeed over any other team? And I think a huge thing for us and a selling point has been like, I, as a founder and as a person, you know, really designing the service, like I understand our target user so intimately. Of course, there's so many other experiences within this problem that like just me, myself, I don't understand because it's so diverse of an issue, but having any glimpse into this process and into the problem has been such a leg up um, to really meet individuals where they're at and really have market research conversations and being empathetic in those conversations and leading that discussion and creating a community and a space for people to feel comfortable sharing. And that's a wonderful foundation for Rhea to continue to grow off of, in my opinion. Um, so that has actually been something that we still talk on to this day when chatting to investors is like, you know, the patient coming into the innovator is an advantage in a number of ways. Mm. Where did the name Rhea come from? (laughs) Kind of a happy little accident. Um, I was brainstorming names and I wanted something, you know, short, simple, bold and feminine all at the same time. Um, And my partner at the time were brainstorming and he was like, well, what about queen? And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's so lame. He said, queen? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, but Rhea is queen in Spanish in my very rusty Spanish at the time. And we're like, oh, that's perfect. And then I go home and I'm chatting to my sister-in-law who's Spanish. She's from Mexico. And she was like, what? No, that doesn't mean queen. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Reina, Reina, yeah. And then King is Ray, R-E-Y. And so I just kind of like put them together in my brain. And I was like, well, whatever. I think it sounds good. So we went with it. Mm -hmm. I wish I people ask me that you know, what does Rhea mean all the time? And I have to like tell them this awkward story. I feel like I need to, you know, make something up, but I, yeah, can't lie. No, but that's, that's the roots <laughs> of it, right? Like it really takes you back to thinking like at one point this started as an idea, a seed in your mind um, based on personal experience. And it really started at this, you know, sounds like really humble beginnings um, like anything does, right? Like anything we manifest turn into reality. It starts as an idea. And yeah, I just think it's so cool that how how this has come along and come to be. And it's I think it's super impressive. And this is your blooming. Yeah, as I'm we so like it was going to happen at some point. Yeah, <laughs> we are those bitches. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, was there anything else you wanted to 
So no, really, you've kind of answered all of my questions. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Dallas? Is there anything else you want folks to know or want to share on? Or um, yeah, if you don't mind, I'll do some again more shameless plugs. Oh, but yeah, we love the plugging. <laughs> we are currently we've launched a petition. We're currently Canadian government funding to provide transportation for folks in remote and low-income communities for them and a support person to get the transportation that they need to get to access birth control and reproductive health services like abortions that they may not have access to within their own communities. Ooh, um, wow. That just gave me chills. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that's um, kind of a, little passion project for me but I think um, our community really resonates with this mission and we're really excited to you know try our best to make a difference in this area um, oftentimes you know within these r remote communities people have to pay out of pocket if they want to you know get an IUD if that's the best option for them or if they need an abortion or even give birth People have to um, travel out of community on their own dime, out of pocket to access these reproductive health services. And that can present a lot of barriers for people, as I'm sure you can imagine. And that just should not be the case. <laughs> um, mm. So uh, the petition is on change.org slash my body, my boundaries. You can also find it on our website and even on our Instagram, which is just at Rhea Health and www.rayahealth.ca. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really, really incredible and so important. Yeah. And to have the, like you mentioned, to have a support person go with them too is huge because these can be traumatic experiences. And I know we're all coming out of a pandemic where a lot of the time, like to access healthcare was something you had to just do your own by yourself because they were like, oh, yeah, like your support person can't come and be there because COVID or whatever. So, yeah, totally. Like people yes. were giving birth by themselves. I cannot even imagine. God, <laughs> I know. It makes me oh. cry thinking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, something we're really excited about and happy to be able to share that with you. Yeah, y'all, change.org, sign the petition. Yeah. Um, one of the last things we like to ask our guests is if you're reading anything interesting right now that you'd like to share about. Well, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm currently actually I'm reading, it's called Crossing the Chasm, and it's a marketing book that was recommended to me by a friend and we were chatting, of course, about the company and our different segments and all of the people that I want to reach and provide value for with Raya. And um, he was like, oh, my gosh, well, you should read this book. And it's all about market segments and how to connect with them in a meaningful way to the core values of companies. So that's what I'm reading. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dallas. This has been a total breath of fresh air. To quote you, I read that on your website. You you wrote, I think, in one of your blog posts that your body took a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. um, and I just loved that. So this has been a total breath of fresh air. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing. I can't wait to see it evolve and... Yeah. yeah, we'll be Thank watching you, so you bloom. Yes. <laughs> oh, I appreciate this. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Dallas. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>incredible Dallas Barnes of Rhea Health. Mm -hmm. What a phenomenal human doing yeah. such important, incredible work. I wish that there were resources like that when I was a young teen. Totally. 
I remember like all of my friends and even myself included the second you start menstruating everyone's like get on birth control get on birth control and you don't know anything about it and yeah just really really awesome things happening in the world of femtech yeah <laughs> obsessed with femtech it's gonna keep talking I'm about really femtech. here for that <laughs> word of the month yeah. <laughs> and now we're gonna pull a card or two or however many on this yeah. experience of chatting with Dallas, of body literacy, boundaries. Storytelling. Storytelling. Not only surviving, but thriving. Um, yeah. Ooh. Okay. I went for two. Why not? Why not? Okay, y'all. We've pulled the Ten of Cups word Uh, here we go the heights of happiness are reached through friends family including including chosen and rewarding relationships not necessarily material comfort the ten of cups is about a deeper abundance that of overcoming obstacles to find connectedness harmony and spiritual development focus on the silver lining always do what makes you and the people around you the most happy always be of service to spirit and you'll be looked after by yourself and the people around you. Themes, happiness, deep fulfillment, contentment, spiritual joy. I am energized by the love and support around me and have everything I need. That's a beautiful card. And it's also just exactly what Dallas was talking about. Like overcoming the obstacles by finding support, connecting with community, like listening to your body and doing what makes your body happy essentially Mm. joy so much joy there yeah and exactly like having the community um and the people like the resources around her to become part of the rea community or just people sharing their stories like we become more abundant when we have more family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those rewarding relationships leading to the deeper abundance. I think that's also cool to have mm-hmm. that reminder right now in Aries season when the energy can be so like independent, independent. Like mm-hmm. I have to go it alone, like power, power, power to remind ourselves during this season that to connect and lean on those around you is mm-hmm. the same amount of strength. And yeah, like when it's like, just do what makes you and your loved ones happy. That's where, that's where it is. You deserve to thrive, not just survive. Mm. And this card is so beautiful visually. It's just like two people embracing, almost like dancing under moonlight with flowers on either side of them. And it's just a very like union communion card it almost looks like it could be like a wedding Mm. it's really special and then i also pulled the sun um reversed the sun's pure radiance and unconditional love lights your path illuminating the present moment this card says expansion is never without suffering however painful realizations take place in order for us to make a conscious willing choice to step into our soul's purpose Nobody ever said breakthroughs were easy, but leaving behind what no longer works and setting yourself completely free is within your grasp. Celebrate that. Whatever you're considering, the sun is a big yes. Yes to becoming more of a free spirit. Yes to releasing old patterns. Yes to following your bliss. Okay, reversed. No matter the setbacks, no matter the unavoidable losses or delays, the sun keeps shining on us. Harness that energy now to let your light shine on the world. Let yourself be seen and witnessed. Ooh, don't give a damn about what anyone else thinks. Release your past roles and allow yourself to feel like a kid again. Fearless. You have every right to lose your baggage. Don't lose momentum. Look towards the light. Ugh. This is very, like, Dallas doing her fucking thing. Dallas being, like, being the change <laughs> yeah. she wished to see. Exactly. She's such an example of um, here's a gap, here's a problem, here's something that doesn't sit right with a lot of people. I'm going to work on fixing that. Which is sexy (laughs) and so 
important Mm -hmm. for creating change. Literally be the change you wish to see. Like Mm -hmm. use your voice. We get so blocked by our own minds and our limiting beliefs that, you know, we've learned from however, when to just have this card, to have people like Dallas out there being like, fuck it, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in order to kind of succeed in the world of healthcare and tech, like she was talking about, you got to be so authentic and know your story. And just clearly from her, her sharing with us, she knows what she's doing. She knows her story inside and out because it's her lived experience. And Mm. this card is calling for you to step into clarity, authenticity, joy, radiance, stepping into your power, pretty unapologetically and that's what we like to encourage also the sun just fucking came out it literally and it's like shining into our room right now <laughs> yeah like as we were speaking about the sun card the sun just came out for the first time in days uh-huh. <laughs> that was amazing okay i'm gonna share our sun playlist to go with this episode because we have one honestly let the sun shine down on you. That's the vibe. Be the... Let yourself be seen and witnessed. What's that song? Let the sun shine down on me. Mr. Sun. No! <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> oh Mr. my sun. god. I'm tired, y'all. Yeah. Getting a little loopy over here. But the sun's shining, let yourself be seen and witnessed. Yeah. And honestly, here's me and Emma here to tell you. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's not just me. But here's us here to tell you to take the fucking risk. Mm-hmm. If there's something in you, you see a gap, there's an idea or a spark for an idea of something that you think you could give the world. Do the thing, take the risk, put your voice out there because so many times, time and time again, these little things start as seeds. This podcast started as us sitting on Emma's bed chatting about whatever the heck. Yo, we should start a podcast. Literally though. (laughs) Here we are. Why not? So why not? Why not? Take take a crazy chance. chance. Why not? Why not? Do Do a crazy crazy dance. That should be on that playlist. Anyways. And on that Hillary Duff moment, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're blooming away. Day.